in the Hadarba Catechism. We begin the section dealing with the 12 articles of our faith. Uh, this section is titled, God the Father and Our Creation. We're going to read together Lord's Day 9. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul. I will also turn to my good, whatever adversity sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful father. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes people die what in human terms could be called a senseless death. Think of the Humboldt crash a few years ago in which a transport truck hit a bus carrying the members of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team. It was a bright, sunny day. The intersection was marked with a flashing stop sign. Yet through the inattention and carelessness of the transport truck driver, 10 hockey players, five team officials, and the bus driver were killed. Another 13 people suffered injuries, many of them serious and life-changing. This accident drew national attention. In part, that was because it was a collision that claimed many lives. In part, it was because it involved a team of young hockey players. But what really captured attention was that this was a senseless accident. It's not as if it were dark out or if the roads were slippery. The judge involved in sentencing the truck driver ruled that he had many chances to stop before the collision that it was inconceivable that he missed the intersection's many large signs, including flashing lights. This accident is but one of many fatal collisions on our roads. Often we just view them as statistics. But each death on our roads has a tremendous impact on family members, friends, and the community in which the person lived. In each situation, many grieving people are left behind. And in their grief, they ask questions. Why did this have to happen? Could it not have been prevented? It's events like this that cause unbelievers to question whether God exists and who he is. Even we as believers are sometimes faced with questions like this. When we're confronted with an accident or serious illness or some other tragedy in life, we wonder about God's love and care for us. If God is almighty, why doesn't he put a stop to all evil and suffering? 
If God is so powerful, why doesn't he help us in our times of distress? Are these the actions of a loving father? Of someone who has promised to provide all our needs? Doesn't make sense, does it? That God is almighty. That he has the whole world in his hands. And that God is a loving father. That he cares for us. If God has all power in heaven and on earth, and he's the overflowing fountain of all good, then how do you explain the suffering that goes on in this world? How do you explain the suffering that also we as Christians undergo? This afternoon we'll deal with the first article of our Christian faith. And it will see that even though we do not always understand his ways, God has revealed himself as the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. The Almighty Creator is my God and my Father through Jesus Christ. We'll see that he is Almighty God and that he is a loving Father. This afternoon, we could open our Bibles and read together part of Isaiah 40. Isaiah was a prophet who lived in the 8th century before Christ. He lived in a turbulent time. Foreign powers were threatening the little nation of Israel. The threat they posed was real. Israel and Judah were but small powers in comparison with the Egyptians, the Syrians, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians. God's people had turned away from him to serve the Baals on the high places. The Lord had repeatedly warned his people by the prophets that they would go into exile if they did not repent. In chapter 39, Isaiah prepared Judah for a new crisis that they would face. He spoke about the Babylonian exile. Isaiah told King Hezekiah that his that the treasures he had shown to the Babylonian envoy would be taken, that his descendants would go into exile in Babylon. Now for God's people, exile was unthinkable. They had received their land as a gift from the Lord, as an everlasting inheritance from his hand. The land was a symbol of the covenant relationship between God and his people. They could not imagine losing it and going off into exile. Was not the Lord their God? Were they not his people? Was the Lord going to go back on his promises? Was it really possible for them to be exiled to another land? The Lord did not want his children to despair when they were taken into exile. And so he sent Isaiah to prepare them for what was to come. God wanted his people to understand the cause of their exile. He provided comfort for them even before they were taken into captivity. Isaiah prophesied to the people about God's almighty power. He made it clear to them that the Lord was stronger than all the gods of the surrounding nations. The fact that he allowed them to go into exile was not because of weakness on his part. 
Isaiah also spoke of God's love and care for his people, about how he would renew them and restore them. God's power and his faithfulness were made clear even before the people went off into captivity. Isaiah pictures the Lord as the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. In Isaiah 40, 12, the prophet asks, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? God's people knew the answer. They knew that the Lord was their creator. They knew that the Lord had made the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six days. They rested on the seventh day to remember God's creation work. Since God was the creator, they could also rely on his power to save them from their enemies. It's very important that God's people realize his might and power. For that would come in doubt when they went into exile. The surrounding nations thought that their gods were stronger than the gods of the Israelites. Think of the claims made by Sennacherib, king of the Assyrians in the days of Hezekiah. He claimed that the Lord could not help the people in Jerusalem any more than the gods of the surrounding nations had delivered them from his hands. He called the people of Jerusalem to surrender to him. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, addressing him as the creator of the heavens and the earth. He acknowledged that the Assyrians had destroyed many nations and their lands. And he pleaded with God Almighty to save his people. And the Lord did. The angel of the Lord went forth and killed 185,000 men in the camp of the Assyrians because his people trusted in him. Yet God's almighty power would come in doubt when they went off into exile. Then the people might be inclined to think that the reason for their trouble was that the Lord was not strong enough to save them. That's why Isaiah speaks at length about God's power over creation. In verse 15, he says that compared to God, all the nations are like a drop from a bucket. If you are carrying a pail of water and a drop splashes out, you don't even notice it. Isaiah says, that to God the nations are like a speck of dust on the scale. If you're going to weigh yourself, you don't worry about a bit of dust on your weigh scale. It's completely insignificant. All the nations are as nothing before God. They're accounted by him as less than nothing, an emptiness. How small mankind really is. How puny his existence. Isaiah says that the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers before God. Isaiah asks, to whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. 
Use your biggest telescopes, O oh man. Train them on the faraway stars. Just focus that Hubble Space Telescope. Take pictures of distant galaxies. Who created all these bodies? Who has arranged the orbit of all the planets? Isaiah knew the answer long before telescopes were first invented. He says that God has called each of the millions of stars by name. And so he confesses, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one of them is missing. You see, beloved, the Lord God is the one who made this world. Ultimately, it testifies of his majesty and his power. In the day of exile, God's people would cry out in distress. They would raise a lament. They would utter accusations against their God. God's people would complain, My way is hidden before the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. These claims show that the people felt abandoned by God. Where was he in the midst of their struggle? Why did he allow friends and relatives and loved ones to be killed? How could he allow their city, yes, even the temple, to be destroyed? Those kind of questions have been asked at other times in the history of God's people. Long before the exile, King David asked in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? People today still ask, Where are you, O God, in my suffering? Have you forgotten about me? It's not always easy to reconcile man's suffering with God's almighty power. How do you explain to a family that God could have saved their loved one from dying from cancer or from that car accident? When you're struggling, when you're suffering, when you despair, it seems like cold comfort to speak about the almighty power of the Lord God. If God is so great, if he indeed has the whole world in his hands, why did he allow such and such to happen? We have times when together with God's people of old we say, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Yeah, beloved, we need to be careful here. Indeed, we may cry out to the Lord. He has commanded us to call upon him in the day of trouble. But we have to be careful in making accusations against God. Who are we to blame him for our trouble? Was Israel correct in saying their way was hidden from the Lord? Was God unaware of what happened to them? Is it actually true that their cause was disregarded 
by God? Do you not think that God was grieving at their rebellion and their sin? Was God really being unfair with his people Israel? What really was the source of Israel's trouble? Why was it they were taken into exile by the Babylonians? Later in his prophecy, Isaiah explains why the Lord has hidden himself from his people. He gives the reason why the Lord had separated himself from them. In Isaiah 59, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so he does not hear. The Lord makes clear he was punishing his people because their hands were defiled with blood. Their lips spoke lies. In Isaiah 64, 7, the prophet confesses to the Lord, For you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. It's the people's sins and their refusal to repent that ultimately caused God to pour out his wrath on them. Here, beloved, we see the ultimate cause of all the misery and all the suffering that takes place in this world. It is sin. Sin is the cause of all unhappiness and sorrow. Sin is the root problem facing mankind. Through the fall into sin that man became corrupt. It's because of that that God's curse came upon all of creation. This is the ultimate source of all evil and all suffering in the world. At this point, I think it's important that I make a side comment. It is that we should be careful not to make judgments in times when calamities fall on particular people. Jesus taught his disciples in John 9 that the man he healed was not born blind because of either his sin or because of his parents' sin. He was born blind so that the glory of God could be revealed when Jesus healed him. Jesus taught his followers in Luke 13 that the 18 men on whom the Tower of Siloam fell were not worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem. It was a call for all who heard about it to repent while there was still time. When a nation suffers famine, or people experience the devastation of an earthquake. God is calling all people to repentance. When someone suffers a serious accident or is struck by a terminal illness, God is teaching all of us to number our days. Let us never think that God does not have the power to save he is the almighty creator of heaven and earth and of everything in them. He's also the sustainer and preserver of his people. As almighty God, he is able to help us. He can save us from whatever problems we face. 
He can deliver us from our distress. And the good news, beloved, is that God is also willing to do so. We'll see that in our second point. And it will discover that besides being Almighty God, the Lord is also a loving Father. Already in the Old Covenant, God revealed Himself to His people as their Father. When the Lord appointed Moses as mediator of His people, He commanded him to tell Pharaoh to let His people go. God told Moses, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go, that he may worship me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. The fact that God called Israel his son shows that the Lord was the caring father of his people. Forty years later, Israel was at the entrance of the promised land. The Lord had delivered his people from Egypt and provided them for them in wondrous ways in the wilderness. Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy 1, verse 31, You have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a father carries his son, all the way you went until you came to this place. In the Song of Moses, recorded in Deuteronomy 32, Moses refers to the Lord as the father of his people. He says, is, not, is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? Moses goes on to speak about how the Lord kept Israel as the apple of his eye. He says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on his pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. The prophet Isaiah also refers to the Lord as the father of his people. After confessing Israel's sins, Isaiah says in chapter 64, verses 8 and 9, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the works of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Israel confessed God as their father, as the one who could care for them. But even more important, the people confessed God as their father, because only he could forgive their sins. It's also what we confess in Lord's Day 9. There we speak about how the Almighty Creator is, for the sake of Christ His Son, my God and my Father. For the sake of Christ. Because of what Christ has done. Because the eternal Son of God was willing to come into this world as a man because he bore our sins and our iniquities on the cross. It's because Christ was not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters, that God has adopted us into his family. Through the redeeming work of Christ, we are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. That's great news for us. 
It means that we have someone who loves us deeply, looking after us. In Matthew 7, the Lord Jesus asked, which, of, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? As our Father, the Lord will provide all our needs. That's what he promised. Our Father has promised to provide our physical needs. Do you doubt that? When you go home, read from Matthew 6, the verses 25 to 34. There the Lord Jesus showed his disciples God's care over the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. He said, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our Father has also promised to provide for us spiritually. Do you doubt that? Go home and read from Romans 8, 31 to 39. There the Apostle Paul shows us the Father's love for us in Jesus Christ. He said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul concludes that it is impossible for anyone or anything to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, beloved, does this answer all our questions? Does it help us to understand all God's ways? No, it doesn't. When tragedy strikes, we often have a very difficult time coming to terms with the fact that God is both almighty and that he's at the same time the overflowing fountain of all good. When faced with hardships and distress, we often don't understand the way in which God is leading us forward in our lives. And yet because of the way in which God has made himself known to us, we trust him. Because of his steadfast love and his faithfulness, we're confident he will turn to our good, whatever adversity he sends us in this life of sorrow. For that's what he promised. With Isaiah, we may speak about how the everlasting God neither faints or grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. We confess 
But they who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We may quote the Apostle Paul's words from 2 Corinthians 4. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul goes on to explain how we can be strong in the midst of trouble. It's by believing what we cannot see. It's through faith in God the Father and his love for us in Jesus Christ. Paul says that therefore we do not lose heart. He says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul says that in our greatest sorrows and temptations in this life are but a momentary affliction in comparison with the eternal weight of glory God has in store for us. Trouble and distress may dog us every step of the way through our life on this earth. But our Father is preparing for us an eternal inheritance beyond our imagination. No, beloved, we do not have explanations for all the tragic things that happen on this earth. We often don't understand God's ways in our lives. But ultimately, does it matter? Do we always need to understand? Seems to me that it's more important that we know who God is and what He's done for us to know Him as the Almighty Creator of the heavens and the earth, as the sustainer of our lives, to know Him as our Father who has forgiven all our sins in Jesus Christ and who allows us to share in eternal life. It's knowing God that gives hope. Let's trust. God knows what He is doing. Also, when we face hardships in our lives today, let us have confidence in the mighty power and the faithful care of our Father in heaven. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together hymn 13.